Hello and welcome to the Northwest Hospitality Leadership Podcast. Today's broadcast is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Click the link below to learn about payment solutions from U.S. Bank. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast. This month, Washington Hospitality Association President and CEO Anthony Antone is joined by Andy Cho, President of S1 Hospitality Management, and Dean Griffith, the President of Old Spaghetti Factory International. The three talk about being vulnerable to earn the trust of their employees as they discuss the book, The Five Temptations of a CEO by Patrick Lencioni. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Northwest Hospitality Leadership Podcast. Normally on our podcast, we've got the uh, great leadership consultants of uh, Chris Jensen from the Table Group with us. Unfortunately, he had a scheduling conflict today that was my fault. (laughs) So Chris, I'm taking accountability for that. But he'll be able to join us next month when we get back into the five dysfunctions of a team and talk more about that book. So, Chris, I can't wait to see you next month. We're going to try to stumble through without you. Uh, But with that, let's move forward. We are really excited today to be talking about the book, Five Temptations of a CEO. We're really lucky to have with us today two of the leaders in in our industry who can help take the lessons from this book and put it in the real world. So with me today is uh, Andy Cho from S1 Hospitality. Andy is really one of the up-and-coming leaders in, in our lodging industry. And joining Andy is Dean Griffith from Old Spaghetti Factory. Andy and Dean, welcome to both of you today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. I'm going to give a brief summary of, of the book, but the real value of this podcast is going to come from how it applies to all of us here. If you haven't read any of Patrick Lencioni's books, it's they're fables about what we go through as CEOs in our real world. And, and this one really talks about a CEO who's struggling and, and frustrated and wondering what's gone wrong and if he's going to succeed. And it walks him through those temptations we have as CEO to get away from the keys of success and really get into the pitfalls we have that we get tempted to fall into. The, the first temptation, quote unquote, is status over results. And I thought uh, Patrick does a good job in telling in the fable. A lot of people become a CEO for the title. And they're really excited about, I've always wanted to own a company one day, or I've always wanted to run a store. Versus what I've always wanted to do is create one of the best hotels in the area that delivers a great experience. Or what I've always wanted to do is create incredible memories for people over a plate of spaghetti. Or, or things like that. And so because we get tempted by the title versus the results, it has its own pitfalls. He then goes into the second temptation, which is popularity over accountability. But a lot of times, you know, these our team members become our family and we want to be fair to them. We want to be nice to them and we let them go on lower success or not meeting our standards for long periods of time because we're afraid to be mean. And then when we finally had it, we just fire them. <laughs> and then that's actually part of, of, of the book. And that temptation to, to not say the tougher thing and realize that cruel can be kind because it helps lead to success is the second temptation. Uh, the third temptation is certainty over clarity, meaning before I tell you a goal, I want to make sure absolutely sure it's the right one. But then we go for long periods of time without knowing what we're supposed to be doing day to day of what success looks like. His fourth temptation is choosing a team that gets along really well versus a team that really engages in tough conflict 
and the hard issues of the day and solves problems. And the fifth temptation is invulnerability over trust. A lot of times CEOs or the bosses, I would say, for those of you who don't know me, my dad had a restaurant in the South Sound, restaurants in the South Sound area for a lot of time. And he always wanted to be seen as the boss, as in charge, as right, and, and therefore infallible versus I think in modern leadership, uh, the value of vulnerability and building trust with your team. So those were the temptations that he walked through. I thought he really did a good job of explaining things. Dean, let's start with you. I don't know if you've read much of Patrick Lencioni's work in the past. What was your first reaction after reading the book? I thought it was a great refresher. You know, you, you grab a book like this and you have a moment to kind of reflect on your own leadership and the things you've done well and not done well. I think the last two years have been particularly challenging for everyone. And so anytime I have an opportunity to kind of read something and, and reflect and think, you know, how can I do better? You know, it's, it's a help. And, and I thought this book really did that. Well, I'm glad it was a good use of your time. I always, when we do these podcasts, I'm like, I hope I don't send a book and everyone goes, what the heck, Anthony? <laughs> I, wish, yeah. I wish we could have had that hour of my life back. Uh, Andy, what about you? Did you enjoy the book? What'd you think? Oh, it was, it was great. I also, because of, the last couple of years, it actually wakes you up a little bit of all uh, um, how things are going and definitely gave me time to reflect on myself for the past couple of years a lot more than I've probably done in the past 10 years. And uh, the book kind of came in at the right time. And a lot of these temptations were some of the things I was trying to focus on solving during COVID, I think. So it actually kind of came in at a better timing. That's that that that's great. Let me, let me let me pick up on that, and I promise I'll share mine too. When we all read this, there's some that we instantly like. Okay, that's not me, and there's others that like. Ouch! <laughs> that really resonates with some of the only things I've done. Did you have any that really resonated with you? That really called out a moment in time that one of these temptations really hit home with you? It all feels like it was all in order. <laughs> and I feel like I've been through all, and I'm actually going through probably my fifth one right now. Um, <laughs> first one, it wasn't as hard because I, you know, I bought into an ownership, so a little different uh, when you make it up to a position versus buying into it. So that was something I didn't really get to relate. But obviously, um, you know, popularity. I think I was at one phase where I looked around at my company and I realized a lot of them were intimidated by me. So I kind of got stuck on the fact that I wanted to be more uh, approachable than doing my own job. And it was just the position sometimes gives you that intimidation. And and I was too focused trying to get rid of it instead of uh, doing, you know, using it to not intimidating, but just, I guess, accepting the position that I am intimidating. I'm in an intimidating position more so than I was trying to, oh, what do I do to make you feel comfortable around me? come into my office, let's have a talk. I want to get to know you. But I realized that was the most terrifying thing for some of the employees. You know, owner calls in and it wants to know all about you. Uh, so that was one of the first scenarios that kind of thought of that came up to my head. That, I think that's going to connect with a, with a lot of people listening. And, and we'll dive into that a, a little more. Dean, what about you? When you read through this, did you have a particular moment where you went, ouch, and I really relate to this particular <laughs> temptation? Yeah, you know, Spaghetti Factory's been around uh, 53 years, so the, the harmony over conflict, we, we have team members that have been with us 40-plus years, and, and we really all do get along incredibly well. 
and then, you know, setting some of those expectations and, and, you know, staying ahead of it and saying, well, you know, this past year, you know, we can't rest on our laurels. We, we really have to continue to set new bars, new, new ways of looking at things and, and, you know, move forward from there. And, and uh, I looked at it and said, you know, rather than fighting these battles that, you know, whether it's staffing or shortages of supplies, you know, maybe my job as a president shouldn't be to try to get down into the weeds so much, but really kind of help people in setting new expectations and then, uh, you know, encouraging them to live up to those expectations. Well, I want to thank you for both being uh, vulnerable, which will be the next one I'm going to uh, get to. Um, and just so I'm vulnerable too. And I, I will say my temptation is, is kind of three sliding into two. I want to be a nice guy. I want to be supportive and fair and I don't want to be mean or overly harsh. And then I'm worried that their goal isn't clear or there was an excuse or there were things. And so because I didn't have clarity, I start sliding on my accountability. And and uh, it's the blend of those two things where I, I need to buck up and say, you know what? If I'm going to expect high things from all my team members, I've got to be clear on both. Here's what a good day, a good month, a good quarter looks like for you. And I trust you to go hit it but there's accountability when you don't and, and stop making excuses for them. Well, the weather was bad or this was bad or this thing went wrong. Accountability doesn't mean firing them, but it means direct conversations, accountability, your goal. And that's something that I find myself uh, on that slippery slope of just stop creating excuses, Anthony, be there. So one, I wanted to let you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. None of us will ever be perfect at this. But let's talk about vulnerability. And that's one of the ones I think is really important moving forward. And a lot of people become the boss and feel like this pressure to be viewed as perfect or always right. And that actually sometimes does not create the trust within their team. Uh, there was a great book or the end of the book. It talks, I, I thought a lot about our success depends on our team. Our We're trusting our team so we can be successful. And, we have to give them that trust versus controlling and micromanaging and doing all those other things to not get there. Andy, I'll, I'll pick on you first. Did you find when you first started taking over the hotel company and that being vulnerable versus allowing trust for your team, was that a challenge for you? And if, and if that doesn't relate to you, um, for those team members who try to be right all the time, how do you encourage them to be vulnerable and, and, and give trust to their team? Oh, I definitely had issues. I think initially, uh, during my management meetings, I think at least once or twice a year, I always mention how bad of an owner I was initially. And how, sometimes I just want to crawl and hide other behaviors. And I look back and it's a lot to do with insecurity. Insecurity of my own knowledge and experience in the beginning. Definitely gotten rid of it. But this, I was saying earlier, the fifth temptation is something I'm kind of working on. And it's something it hit me because of COVID in a positive way. I became vulnerable. So I kind of shifted my way of thinking and communicating with my staff and I became vulnerable. I kind of started asking for more help and thanking them, acknowledging them because they were the front line during COVID times. And then something magically happened and I learned to trust them a lot more. And we as a company uh, during COVID, I think, have changed in a most positive way. And I think it started with me being vulnerable and openly communicating and at the time, before, prior to COVID, I think I was more saying things because I'm in the position to say certain things. 
them to really truly communicate. And during COVID, I, I had opened my ears and to see where everything was and I started communicating and started asking and acknowledging and I even got to a point where I just had a conversation and said, hey, you know, I can be wrong, but we're going to have to change and we're going to have to adapt. So we're going to have to try different things. And we had tried so many different ideas to overcome COVID. But um, I think prior to it, I think it was all my idea. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> right? This is going to work. You make it work and you make it happen. And the economy is good, so you should work, right? And now it went the other way. And it's like, okay, what do we do? How do we get it? You know, where are some ideas? So that's that's why um, I'm still working on it, but I'm very excited about it because it's something that I, it clicked in my head. So I believe it is benefit. You know, it'd be great for my future. So. Dean, how, how did the fifth, uh, fifth Temptation relate to you or a story or a memory that it sparked either of you of a teammate who was trying to find their way to, trust their team a little bit and, 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 and be okay to say, I don't know where I'm wrong. And, and, and did anything hit you there that would be a good thing for other operators to listen to that they might carry with them? Oh, I mean, I could go on a long list of things I've been wrong on. It's very humbling when you have a team. I have a great executive team and it's very humbling to work with them. And, and they, they point out things to me all the time that I'm like, oh, that is a great point that I did not think of. And I think that's the key is just being willing to listen and, and kind of accept that hey you bring these people together you want great people so we have these great people let's listen to them this past year though or i should say almost two years covid really kind of changed everything we looked at we, you know we went from very happy operating january february march to march 18th shutting down every single restaurant and closing for a month and when we reopened we went from a five percent seven percent to go to a hundred percent to go and uh, we just basically looked at our general manager teams and, and management teams out at the restaurants and said, look, you guys are the owners. We're going to have to trust you to figure this out. We can't even come see you and help you. We, we went into it right before we closed. We ordered a bunch of to-go supplies. So we kind of were thinking we're probably going to move to to-go model when we reopened. But if it wasn't for the leaders we had out there and the, the fact that, you know, they all stepped up and really did all these things for us you know, we wouldn't be here today. So, you know, we still trust them. We know they were looking out for our best interest. And, you know, when you have 41 owners, it makes my job a lot easier. A lot of these lessons, a lot of us that did learn from a podcast, we learned them from an absolute train wreck we created that we yeah. had to like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. You know, I think back a time to my lobbying career where I was always trying to be right. And someone said, dude, it's okay to say, I don't know. And I learned at like 24, 25, it was a blessing that I had a mentor that took me by the shoulder, ripped me out of the room and, you know, said, just say, I don't know. Don't try to BS your way through it. And how empowering I don't know is, right? That when you don't know, when you have a great team, that draws them to you versus losing respect for you, even though you have a fear that if your team thinks you don't know, they'll, they'll go there. Dean, is there any way to communicate that to people without them learning it the hard way? Is there any good fable or thing that you've shared with people that maybe has helped them preempt it? Yeah, if you, if you stifle conversation, you tend to not get as much conversation. So um, we try to ask a lot of questions and see what everyone thinks and build consensus. And once we have a consensus, you get that buy-in, you can get a lot more done. 
if you're just constantly forcing it down, saying this is what we're going to do without getting, uh, like opening the door to that communication. It's, it's a lot more challenging way to manage, I think. So uh, we're lucky in that uh, I do have a team that's been, I'm the new guy at 22 years. So for me, you know, I, I talked to Chris Hyen or Kirk Michael, who've been with the company over 40 years, and, you know, they set me straight. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm lucky that they, uh, you know, I, I'm vulnerable just because of the fact that they are incredibly intelligent. I just have a great team to work with. Andy, any any story that you have from a GM or otherwise that you could share that for somebody who hasn't experienced the temptation yet might o- open them up before the train wreck occurs? Uh, honestly, I, I, I think it just comes back to insecurity. And, and once you make yourself secure enough, yeah, it just says it's a trust and trust that people will help. Uh, I think we... As we as we get older, we go through so many experiences. We get burned by people and other things that we end up having a hard time trusting. But we can trust people who come to us with vulnerability. But yet, it's so hard for us to be vulnerable to someone, thinking that that person might think different about it. Right. So just really trusting that concept, trusting those people. I think the humans. I think that's the key to me and getting rid of that insecurity. And let the magic happen, I guess. I like that. I like that. I'll pass on a couple of things that I've learned, but I'm not sure that the writer, if you if you would say, God, no, don't let anyone do this, Anthony. I think one of the things I try to get to people is just own the score of the game. Cause then we can start working on if it's if we lost the game because of rebounding or we lost the game because we weren't blocking out, or we at least we can then talk about it versus go around all the edges. Let's just own the score of the game. So I think one of the things I really try to encourage my team is it's okay to say you lost because that's when you start learning and becoming great. Yeah. And um, to add to that, it's not the end. It's not the end of the world. And right. I think that's the key. A lot of us try to hide it and not talk about it because you think it'll end it, but it's only going to improve you by opening up and learning more from, from it. So, you, you know, there's, there's another great book. I don't know. Have you read Alan Mulally's book, American Icon, about how he saved Ford? Have either one of you read that book? I haven't. It's, Sorry. It's, it, it's one of my top five leadership books. It's, a, it, it's And I got to work with Alan Mulally when I was at Boeing. So I'm a, my wife says I, I do a little her, hero worship with with uh, with Mr. Mulally. But um, there's a great scene in the book where he's trying to get the leaders at Ford to be vulnerable that they have 50 years of automobile driven into them. If you say you're wrong, you're going to get fired. So never say you're wrong. And he couldn't get, and Ford was going bankrupt at a dramatic pace when, when Alan got there. And, and he, and he was trying to get them to say, how could everything be going right? Everyone come into our leadership meetings and said, everything is perfect. And we're losing all this money. Something isn't going right. Come on, let's talk about it. And the first leader who, who, like after three meetings of their leadership, finally stepped up and said, something in my department is going wrong. And Alan stood up and started applauding him and saying, thank you. Uh, This is how we get great, by this right here. It's okay to say this. And, And the book describes when the person first said he was wrong, there was a silence that the other people were waiting for security to come in the door and haul the guy <laughs> out of there and have Alan applaud and hug him and dive in 
that slowly the reports over time started addressing more and more of the issues about the company. But that one leader had to put themselves out there and everyone else had to see it was okay to be a great leader. We all have those moments where, what are they going to say to me when I admit that I don't know or I'm wrong? And, uh, and it's so powerful. And yet we, we tend to be afraid of it and we got to overcome it. So let's wrap this up with a couple of thoughts. Andy, any, any closing thoughts or if there were other operators uh, that you were listening to this, of what you'd want them to take away from this book, what would you leave them with today? One of my mentors, I, I kind of asked him to read the book so we can talk about it and uh, before the podcast. And one of the things that both of us kind of agreed, and we talk about this all the time, is self-awareness. And as I'm reading this book, it's all really about all the signs are there. If you're aware of yourself, I think you can catch it. And you'll be able to overcome five temptations and it'll come and go as it goes. So being self-aware, uh, owning up to your responsibilities, owning up to your leadership role of responsibility will kind of help you overcome the five temptations. And that's the kind of what I've I, I just kept reflecting. And, uh, self-awareness um, and then um, being confident at your job and responsible for your leadership role. That's, that's awesome. Dean, I'm going to couch a question a little bit different for you. If, if the future Dean is one of your GMs and is listening to this today, what's the one thing you'd want them to take away from the book to develop their own leadership for the future? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think all these things, you know, discussed in the book, you know, the five principles, it really, what it comes down to is just, you know, there's still the words here, but it's, it's the self-perspective, you know, looking at yourself and how can I improve and, and set clear expectations, be willing to go in and do whatever it takes to get the job done. Uh, a lot of our GMs might have to wash a dish or you know, jump in the dish pit on a certain day or jump on the line to help get the food out. And you know they have the skill set to do that. They show that vulnerability and, and being willing to get in there and do anything. So to me, it's more about setting that clear expectation and then holding people accountable. Once you start letting one or two people do something, then everyone feels like they should, should be able to do that. And that's where our, our managers tend to maybe, uh, you know, get a little sideways is that, uh, you know, we'll walk in and we'll say, hey, you know, when did that expectation change? And they'll be like, I know, I know, I need to work on that. And we're like, okay, well, let's, let's reset that and kind of get that going with your management team so that we can get it all the way down through the team members. Oh, I thought this was a great book just to, to help people think about what, you know, what kind of impact they can have at the restaurant or in a company or, you know, in general management. Well, I can't thank the two of you enough for being vulnerable to share some of your stories and some <laughs> of the things that we've dealt with and to recognize that hospitality gets stronger when we all share. We're going to need a great generation of leaders to lead us through this rebirth of the industry. And, and the stronger all of us are together, the stronger the industry is going to be in the Northwest as we find new ways to do things with a different set of employees and a different generation and new technology, it's going to come down to this self-reflection to get through it in a great way. So thank you so much for sharing and uh, helping us get stronger today. I very much appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Look for our next episode coming in March when we begin a conversation about conflict in the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.